This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Hello and welcome to The Hindu's In Focus podcast. Today, we have a crossover episode from the Data Point podcast, where Sonika Loganathan and Vignesh Radhakrishnan introduced the first episode of Vital Signs, a series brought to you by the Hindu's data team. In this episode, they speak to various stakeholders in the medical field to understand the issues plaguing India's medical education over the years. So over the past several weeks, my colleague Vignesh Radhakrishnan and I have talked to a bunch of different doctors and health professionals, some of whom graduated recently, some who had retired recently, and some who did their schooling in the state board, others in central board, some who wrote an entrance exam to qualify for their MBBS, and others who didn't. So really a whole host of doctors from all different backgrounds. And this is what we asked them. This is episode one of Vital Signs. Our look into how India's medical education system is affecting the country's healthcare. Okay, Vignesh, hi. Hi, Sunika, how are you? <laughs> Good, how are you? Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners? Yeah, hi, uh, this is Vignesh. I'm in charge of the data section, mm-hmm. uh, which comes every day on the newspaper and the op-ed page. Mm-hmm. I also take care of general, all num- I mean, I'm the numbers man of the Hindu. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. The aim of the series is to bring in a lot of doctors from cutting across generations Mm-hmm. Uh, to uh, make them talk about the state of medical education, uh, what it was before, what it is now, what are the ills plaguing the system, but mainly to get some solutions too mm-hmm. and not just state the problems. Right. Right. Okay. So you are our go-to data guy. Mm-hmm. So to start off with, let's take a look at the data. Yeah. So... According to 2021-2022 uh, rural health statistics, there is an 80% shortfall of specialist doctors in rural areas compared to 47% in urban areas. So that's actually the crux of why we went ahead and started this podcast in the first place. With that in mind, we asked these doctors if medical education as it exists today is capable of closing this gap because we felt that's something important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it should be one of the major outcomes of medical education is to close this gap, mm-hmm. right? And we also asked them about the national eligibility come entrance test or what is called the DEET exam. Right. And how it impacts the outcome of medical education. Uh, because some of the data related to NEET has in the past mm-hmm. has shown that it is anti-poor, anti-state board, anti-government school students and anti-rural students, right? Now, does the introduction of NEET has further skewed the outcome against rural healthcare, right? right. So that's something which we, a question which we posed to most of the doctors who mm-hmm. came on, uh, who we interviewed for this podcast series. We also asked them about the MBBS curriculum in general 
and whether CBSE students get a head start in their coursework mm-hmm. compared to a state board student. We also discuss the profession in a broader context to understand how it has changed when compared to a decade or even many decades ago. Right. And what we saw sort of surprisingly, I don't think we expected to see such um, consistent answers, but, you know, we found so many commonalities between what all of these doctors and all these different stakeholders were saying. And when it came to the problems affecting the medical education system, everyone was speaking in pretty much one voice in unison. And even when it came to the solutions to these problems, they were sort of parroting each other's answers. And I just want to be clear that all of these interviews were done separately and individually. So there was really no scope for them to discuss among themselves. Agreed, agreed. Even I felt the same. I mean, uh, doctor after doctor, when they came on this podcast and they shared the views, Mm -hmm. I also felt that there were so many common threads, Mm -hmm. uh, not only uh, when they stated the problems, but also when they gave solutions for it. They almost were saying the same thing. Right, right. Um, But, you know, Vignesh, can you just explain to us why this discussion was needed in the first place and why we're sort of doing this as a part of our data point podcast, you know, because this is usually numbers focused, data driven. Yeah. See, the reason to me is very simple. The data to assess whether the medical education is resulting in a desirable outcome, whatever that outcome may be, mm-hmm. is simply lacking. We just don't have enough data to assess whether medical education or the path the medical education is taking nowadays, right? Now, even if such data exists, Mm -hmm. they just exist in patches. We don't exactly know how many practicing doctors are there in India today. I mean, the exact number, right? right? We don't know how many of them are from state board schools. Now, how many of them are from CBSE background? So when I tried to file an RTI seeking such information Mm -hmm. a while back, I was denied uh, on the grounds that the information was fiduciary. Now, fiduciary means that the student who filled the NEET application Mm -hmm. entrusted his personal information with the medical council. And so they can't give this information to me. Right. So that's what fiduciary means. And they said, no, I can't reveal that information to you. Now, I did not ask them for any names. They could have released anonymized. Right. 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 Which is what uh, most of the Western education, uh, you know, institutions do. Right. And uh, so basically we are flying blind here, right? Mm -hmm. So now even if they had not collected such data, I would understand. But while you fill in each application, they ask everything which I mentioned in the RTA application, like which school they are from, which city they are from, uh, to the board and everything. right? Right. So the data exists, we just don't have any access to it. Absolutely. So this also actually results in a kind of an asymmetry because the government actually knows what is going on mm-hmm. and the public do not. Right. Now, I feel that is problematic because the exam is conducted with public money and also it is for government-run colleges too. I right. mean, the seats with, uh, which they uh, finally actually get, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of just keeping on fuming about it for many years, <laughs> yeah, we decided to, you know, bridge the knowledge gap. Right. So speaking to doctors and asking directly about information, 
uh, that lack of data prevented us from seeking in first place mm -hmm. that sounded the best alternative and hence became well, hence that, that resulted in this podcast right right so because there was this gap in the data or this big hole in the data available on meat specifically i mean you know there's still this common rhetoric especially in places like tamil nadu that says that NEET is anti-poor, anti-rural, generally unfair. You know, you have a lot of these anti-NEET sentiments that are based off of, you know, based off this reasoning. So where are these conclusions coming from? Or are these just sort of like assumptions based off anecdotal data? You know, the stories that we hear every now and then about, you know, students who are committing suicide because they don't get the NEET results that they wanted or, you know, things like that. Is that what this is based off of yeah, it's not like that but <laughs> see generally by dearth of data i mean there's no consistency in the data dissemination mm -hmm. right so for example on a given year maybe actually somebody successfully filed an rti and got some data out of it or mm, like it has happened before a particular uh, data from punjab the state of punjab whoever joined mbbs got leaked Mm -hmm. And using access to that data, some stories were reported. So it is not in a structural form released every year consistently so that we can come to an assessment to what sort of uh, issues that NEET has brought. Yeah. Or even before NEET, what sort of issues medical education in general had. Right. And whether if NEET had given it a solution, well and good. So... Anything depends on consistent data, which is not there. Mm -hmm. Now, some of the data that has been released, uh, I mean, authoritatively by the government, they're too in patches, is, for example, this Justice A.K. Rajan Committee report on NEET. And also when the uh, High Court here mm -hmm. in Tamil Nadu asked the government to submit an affidavit, they went on and did a see. They did, on an in, in, did an investigation and they submitted an affidavit mm -hmm. and uh, and using the data given in those documents, mm -hmm. it became pretty clear that NEET was in general against poor students because it required a lot of coaching. Now, coaching means money. Right. So, the uh, poor students got excluded more. The same same thing is true for rural students. Mm -hmm. So less and less rural students got in. And also because NEET is based on CBSE syllabus, which is what uh, uh, common knowledge tells us. Now, so it was more pro-CBSE and anti-state board. Right. But again, these are all second-hand data. By second-hand data, I mean that the primary data that the government or the committee had access to by primary data, I mean some sort of anonymous data which says that this student uh, was from this uh, board mm -hmm. and he's from this city and uh, his permanent address is this. Mm -hmm. And he wrote NEET uh, in this year and then he, whether for example, whether uh, we learned from the report that most of those who crack uh, NEET and able to enter MBBS uh, in the last two to three years when the report came out. The report was a bit old, but when that report came out, uh, it was mostly those who repeated need, need mm -hmm. multiple times, right? Now, this is not common information. 
for example if you ask me today uh, neat has just got over the results are out if you ask me this year how many neat repeaters got in right. i won't know right right so right? at that time uh, so so we had to there was there is this problem uh, when it comes to medical education that we have to wait for some committee or or the court to order the state government yeah. to release data yeah. for us to understand the nature of the beast mm-hmm. right now it is only with such consistent and extravagant data we can assess whether medical education is tuned towards the outcome it is planning to achieve Right. whatever that may be as of now we did not much go into what exactly the outcome is right it can be varied outcome one of the outcomes that we focused on is whether it is tuned towards bridging this gap in rural healthcare right which is alarmingly high now well right? i mean i think in any case the aim of medical education the aim of producing doctors should be to create a system where doctors are available to people regardless of where they are regardless of you know what the issue should is people should be able to access medical help exactly. and that is what is not happening so exactly so for so that means if we are getting doctors from only one section of the society yeah and not from diverse places and sections then that should worry us but for that to become a worry <laughs> first there should be data and then we analyze it mm-hmm. and if that is how it is turned out to be mm-hmm. then we can start worrying right 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 okay so i want to understand what the system was like before neat because if we think about it neat is still fairly new it only came into effect in 2013 before that there was the all india pre medical test and various other tests for each university. So, where did NEET come from? So, to figure this out, we sat down with Ramya Kannan, the chief of the Hindus Tamil Nadu Bureau's reporting department. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us. You have been covering health specifically for such a long time and naturally medical education does fall into that ambit. So, to start off with can you just tell us what neat is and how this exam this extremely controversial exam came to be yeah so uh, neat which is a national eligibility come entrance test is a national level medical entrance examination uh, in india it was initially the idea was floated in 2010 but uh, you know it was not made compulsory then and a number of states opposed the uh, neat as a sort of imposition from the center and it was given up it was only in um, 2013 you know that it was uh, introduced by the union government um, there were still protests across the country basically neet wanted to replace the all india pre medical test mm-hmm. um, a i p m t and the number of tests that were conducted across the state for entrance into medical courses and medical and dental courses the idea was that we would bring in a standardization of entry uh, ensure quality when people enter at the point of entry mm-hmm. people enter medical or dental colleges because this affects in future the way people are treated how people get healthcare etc So this was the idea behind NEET and uh, why it was introduced in the first place. 
it was in May 2013 that uh, admission to both undergraduate and medical uh, postgraduate medical courses was um, started through NEET, a common entrance test. Um, but you know, because of the protests from across the country, states that were solidly opposing NEET um, went to the Supreme Court, a batch of petitions actually. Um, which cancelled the exam and announced uh, the decision in favor of like 115 petitions that MCI could not conduct a uniform uh, single entrance test for medicine. So it was dropped in 2013, but uh, the MCI went hammer and tongs at it until in 2016 it got relief in the Supreme Court and the court decided yes, NEET is a uh, valid. Um, sort of uh, test for entry into medical colleges. It would ensure a certain uniformity of quality as students enter the uh, colleges. So what has the Tamil Nadu government done about this? Uh, TN got an exemption in 2016, but then it had to implement it again uh, via a court process, started implementing it in 2017. So there's this need to discuss where medical education is heading, especially because we don't have primary data in the public domain. So we're left with a lot of random numbers here and there, coupled with these anecdotal pieces of information that we get. And if NEAT is going to impact the kind of students who get MBBS seats, you know, what kind of candidate even has access to these MBBS seats? And then how does this end up shaping the medical profession and the kind of care we get? And, you know, who has access to that care? And really what we're trying to figure out is what exactly is important when it comes to medical education. Is it the outcome by which, I mean, like we discussed earlier, doctors being available across India in rural and urban areas? Or is the goal of medical education to flatten the entry point and whether that evening out, alleged evening out of the playing field, as the Medical Council of India claims that the NEET exam does, does that lead to more so-called meritorious candidates getting these MBBS seats? So I want to start with Dr. Lakshmi Vijay Kumar. Uh, Dr. Vijay Kumar is a psychiatrist. She founded Sneha, the Suicide Prevention Helpline, in 1986, and now she's here with us. So. Doctor, since then, you've been working where? Yes, I did my medical degree from Tanjavur Medical College and then I did my post-graduation in psychiatry from Institute of Mental Health and Medical College. And since then, I've been working here and uh, I'm currently the head of the Department of Psychiatry at Voluntary Health Services, uh, which where we run a de-addiction center for people with substance abuse problem and alcohol use problem. I am also a honorary associate professor at the University of Melbourne. My last three decades of work has been on prevention of suicide and I started Sneha in 1986 and uh, probably the, I mean, the first of its kind here in, by using volunteers to be uh, there for the people who are suicidal. So I really want to paint a picture, right, of how the medical education system has changed and how the entry into these courses has changed. 
So when you were a student, did you have an understanding of what you wanted your path to look like and what you wanted your next steps to be? See, to be very honest, it was all very accidental, I would say. At that time, we didn't have any bond or anything because there was only government colleges. And as soon as you finish your MBBS, you either start uh, your own practice or you apply for your uh, get into the government service or you go to your native place and start work. You know, that's the... Or if you want to study further, you apply for your post-graduation. And if you're lucky, if you get it, you study. So that was the only... There were, we didn't have so many uh, options. There was no bond at that time. So people who wanted to do post-graduation tried for post-graduation. Uh, we didn't even have an exam for entry into... Uh, post-graduation. It was just an interview. So that was the situation then. But things have become mixed. Even at that time, even the 1975 and I joined, it was quite tough to get into medical. So it's not that uh, it was not that easy. Only the uh, students with the highest marks. There was no entrance exam for MBBS also. Uh, it was all based on your marks under your inter- interview. You have okay. to, uh, everyone who qualified had the minimum qualifications you will be called for an interview and so the interview played a significant role I would say apart from uh, the marks and to some extent I would say that there is some value in that also because it is just not the marks which makes a person as a good doctor it is also your ability to be empathize, your ability to communicate, your ability to, uh, you know, maintain calm, your maintain your ability to relate to people. All that makes a difference also. And unfortunately, none of these exams here uh, do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a sad state. So those days, the, the, it was all the people who were who had the minimum marks which are required to apply were called for an interview. And then they, based on the, I mean, it was a combination of both marks and interview which decided whether you got the seat or not. Sonika, did you notice how in her replies many years before, Mm -hmm. everything was kind of just, you know, going with the flow, not much thinking about what lies ahead in the future, most of it was accidental, unplanned. Mm-hmm. Whereas all these years later, we see that the entrance test format has really taken over. And you see how students, parents, teachers, coaching institutes are coming up with intricate plans, you know, right from the child's maybe age standard. Yeah. Until they enter MBBS. And then the race doesn't stop there. They, the race again continues until they finish you know, uh, getting a seat in MD. Right, right, right. Yeah, I don't think that students these days even have the option to not have a plan. You have to have a plan before you even know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Um, so here's what Parth Sharma had to say. Parth completed his MBBS from Christian Medical College in Bellur in 2014. And he's currently doing his MD in community medicine from Maulana Azad University in Delhi. And he's really passionate about public health. So we naturally discussed his experiences in rural India. But, you know, he explained that he really went through this kind of standardized entrance testing process. 
So this was almost a decade ago. Uh, this was in 2014. Uh, I studied in ICSC and the element was ICS, ISC. I'm forgetting, forgetting the details now. But uh, so in those days, it used to be all India pre-medical test. Uh, the main exam which covered a lot of government colleges and then uh, private colleges had their own exam aims had its own exam so cmc being a private institute it had its own entrance exam uh, so 11 12 was you know like just like everybody i joined coaching uh, initially i was in this uh, center called edu dreams which i just recently opened in there alone so i just went there then it wasn't good enough so i joined akash and uh, then i moved on to another one I kept switching coaching institutes, like I wasn't satisfied anyway. Um, yeah, the NEET happened, the CIPMT happened that year. Uh, CMC in those days had a very unique pattern, uh, something very different from AIPMT. So CMC was not just looking at, uh, you know, whether you know your physics, chemistry and biology. They were also looking at aptitude, uh, IQ. And uh, so the written exam would consist of uh, I think 60 questions each from physics, chemistry, and biology. And then you would have another set of 80 questions, which would just be on, uh, you know, uh, quick mental maths, uh, reaction timing, uh, another set of skills that you need to become a doctor. So those things will were also included in the uh, entrance exam. And then they would take a proportion of the marks. Say, I, I think around 60% uh, came from the physics, chemistry, biology, 40% came from that, and then they would make a final score. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't really expecting to get in. Uh, I wrote the exam and uh, I, I was preparing to drop a year and, uh, you know, prepare properly because my all India rank, I think was around 1000 something. And I was like, I won't get a good college because the competition is, you know, it, it was crazy back then. It's crazier now. Uh, but uh, so I thought, okay, let's just drop a year, prepare properly and try again next year. But the, the CMC interview list came out and my name was there. Uh, so they didn't tell you how much marks you got. They would just shortlist 260 people and uh, they would just upload the list on their website. And that was, that was followed by a three-day interview. Okay, so what was that like? You know, it was one of the best experiences I've had so far. Uh, first day would be, uh, so we would be divided into multiple groups, uh, 10 people per group. And we would have two group observers who would then take us take us uh, through various tasks, group tasks, individual tasks to see how we work in a team, to see how we work under stress. Uh, then one-on-one -on -one interviews. So around four one-on-one -on -one interviews, two group tasks, two individual tasks. And after all that, on day three, they would announce the result. If out of 260, 100 people would get in. So that was the entire admission process that I went through to finally you know, enter the gates of CMC. So already, I mean, we've only heard from two people so far, but we see that there has been this shift that's happened in the way that we enter medical courses. And a big reason for that is really the coaching culture that has come up. And Dr. Vijay Kumar says that because of the multiple layers of content that students have to study, the playing field isn't really leveled. Here's what you have to say about it. See, the uh, playing field is not level in the sense that uh, your set of examination comes from something, whereas you have studied something else. I mean, you have studied maybe 70% of it. So there is a gap, let's say, of 30%. I mean, I'm just hypothesizing. I don't know how much actually it is. Let us assume the portion for need is about 100%. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
and uh, probably a child studying from cbse curriculum would uh, they would have covered maybe 85% of it so the mm-hmm. the child may have to do an extra 15% only okay mm-hmm. whereas a child studying in state board would have covered only about 70% of it so they would have to cover 30% of it Mm-hmm. That that's one that that's a huge uh, uh, issue, and so that needs to be made into a play, level playing field. And the other thing is that uh, the kind of uh, support you have to uh, to crack these exams. This is a competitive exam, okay, and the kind of uh, training or support or whatever it is to uh, is not percolated to every place in this state you know it is in urban areas yeah see for example uh, uh, student studying in kartman or goel okay she wants to and she wants to go for these exams where where will she get the training to crack this exam it is a competitive exams right see we like for, for not only this take even for the indian administrative service they have so many institutes in delhi and rajasthan and it's not we have very few institutes and that's why very few students from tamil nadu are getting into it right so it's the same thing here and here is parth talking about the coaching culture starting from neat ug you know, you need counsel uh, coaching you need uh, how many people can actually afford that coaching now with with i i think how many 18 lakh people are attending neet every year now ug uh, from the last i read uh, and there are barely some i don't know 1 1.5 lakh seats so the competition is insane and now now for a, for a person in bihar who wants to become a doctor can that person really afford that coaching so that itself you know it doesn't make the playing field even because somebody is starting from this privileged background receiving coaching for example me i am starting from a privileged background getting coaching uh, now can somebody starting from a very extremely low uh, socioeconomic background who cannot afford coaching can that person still make it read an english paper and then uh, uh, you know attempt to meet exam and uh, get qualify it's extremely difficult because again if you see there are a lot of a lot of barriers to uh, getting good marks starting from your uh, socio cultural background your nutrition everything plays a huge role so i i feel there could be a more just system so here we clearly see that despite there being this huge gap in age in medical specialization in the kind of admission process that they went through to become doctors both are making pretty similar points they're both saying that this is not a fair system that there are several really obvious obstacles in affordability and access which highlight the greater systemic issues that plague india's social structure but to see the admissions process act as this kind of vehicle to bring out these inequalities is pretty worrying yes Did you actually notice how Dr. Lakshmi said that CBC syllabus mirrors NEET syllabus to a large mm-hmm. extent, right? Yeah. But then why do they all have to even go for coaching? 
right? If need is based on CBSE syllabus, mm-hmm. this is something I have always wondered. So Disha Agarwal answered this question for me. Disha comes from a CBSE background and is an MBBS student at Maulana Azad Medical College in Delhi, and she, in her words, had a pretty conventional journey. Mm-hmm. So. I was uh, a lot of my friends they start taking up coaching for entrance exams very early on in their lives uh, like since class 8 or class 10 I however um, started in class 11 um that too you know simply because of um the fear of missing out i'd say all my friends were going for coaching and they were all preparing you know with a with great uh, vigor for their exams and i did not quite want to be left out so until 11th i had a very standard uh, schooling journey um then in 11th of course i had to, i chose uh, physics chemistry biology and for the optional subject i chose math so that was it uh, two years i spent uh, vigorous coaching i used to go after school every day uh, to a far off center um, because it apparently had the best facilities so i used to go for coaching on a very regular basis and then after like uh, at the end of 12th after my board exams the pandemic hit and i had like around 7 months extra so i was just you know um, sitting at home preparing for the exam and then in 2020 uh, september 2020 i appeared for my exam and in october uh, of that year the results came out and by november i um, had been allotted uh, my college uh, maulana azad medical college so vignesh i think you when we were producing this podcast had a great word for what disha is feeling that is fomo yeah exactly <laughs> fear of missing out absolutely see i was not taken aback by her answer uh-huh. right because i myself was a pretty average student when i was in my school days mm-hmm. right and uh, without even asking me my dad got me what was called i remember correctly ai triple e entrance exam mm-hmm. application i in fact wrote the exam by traveling some 200 kilometers to another city i remember those days very vividly <laughs> now i also wrote what people called iatje uh-huh. without even knowing what exactly it is and if i pass the exam i did not know at that time can you believe it that i will get into iits <laughs> so that was the case for me that is that is the unplanned day absolutely <laughs> absolutely because i remember very if if i remember exactly that i got i some negative marks in physics and chemistry in iit je mm-hmm. right so it's not so i completely understand where disha is coming from it's not it's not just fear of missing out for students right but what makes people you know go for these exams especially neat and iit je or a triple or whatever that may be is the fear of missing out for the parents too Right. right because in their circles uh, the other parents are always talking about this and uh, they feel that my son or my daughter should not miss out on this mm-hmm. so this they go ahead and uh, you know uh, get applications for these exams yeah and ask their what's right yeah and now that just because they have got an application mm-hmm. they also ask uh for example they asked me my parents asked uh, went ahead and joined me in some coaching institute 
which was some 10 kilometers away from my home uh, to coach me for a triple e to coach right. me for iit je now i had no clue i just went there and sat in those class classes which was so advanced for me i didn't pay much attention mm-hmm. right but you see how this culture has developed yeah so fear of missing out leads to getting application and getting registered for an exam yeah and just because you are now going to attempt an exam so why not give it you know yeah why give it a half hour attempt my might as well right? if you so get, yeah might as well go the full length yeah right so that gets to the coaching yeah, if coaching, you have yes, the funds absolutely. and ability to do it doesn't hurt even if you're coming from a cbse background yes so disha is essentially talking about this kind of pressure that she felt and you know i also spoke to d suresh kumar who is the deputy resident editor of the hindu who has also been covering education and medical education for a very long time and i mean he essentially said that neat has changed the way in which a student looks at education and the kinds this new level of pressure that they face when it comes to just focusing on getting the top marks that they can possibly get before neat the first point of pressure for a student comes in at class 10 now when does that pressure begin because of one single examination that makes or mars your medical admission dreams this pressure starts from class 6 onwards i'm not exaggerating because today you look at newspapers you look at uh, uh, you know digital websites the advertisement says that they have integrated course for neat from class 6 onwards earlier students who aspire to get into the iits face a similar kind of pressure but then that was my choice you know you either choose to be part of the iit system or you choose to do an engineering elsewhere but now ever since neat came in you know before neat a student if the student scores uh, lesser marks in plus 2 then the student would not even apply for medical admissions they will look at other options but now because there is an exam called neat and which entirely determines whether you get into medical college or not there is pressure both peer pressure as well as parental pressure to enroll in integrated programs which will also huge spend right on the parents 4 lakh 5 lakh rupees per annum right and in the process the school syllabus gets diluted right the school syllabus gets diluted as it is every board exam most of the school skip your class 11 portions and immediately after class 10 they start the class 12 uh, teaching a school syllabus or any study has to be based on step by step right a student can understand a concept only when he or she goes to class 10 means that concept can be taught only at class 10 now you want to advance it and then you know uh, impose that sort of concept on a child without understanding the foundation of the course so you are starting that pressure point from class 6 7 8 and then as you grow closer to your higher secondary the pressure is really huge right and therefore i think state governments must be allowed to determine how they want to admit whether they want to ease the pressure on the students right and uh, you know whether they want to admit on the basis of plus 2 if there are flaws in this plus 2 based admission you pointed out what are the flaws that's what the first question arises in what ways need superior to your plus 2 board examinations don't you want to trust the teachers who conduct a board examination and then prepare questions and evaluate you want to negate the entire plus 2 system on the basis of one examination that's conducted on the cbse syllabus and the national uh, level ent- entrance exam or do you want to trust your school education system then why do you have a school education system at all and 
What is kind of interesting is the fact that this FOMO isn't even limited to students who are studying medicine. There are a couple of people I spoke to who went ended up going into public health and they still sat for need coaching. Um, Siddesh was one such person. He went into research, but still did the whole, you know, neat traveling and going and sitting for those classes. So Siddesh, I'll let you introduce yourself and then you can tell us about your process. So I am Siddesh Zhadi. I am I'm an epidemiologist in training. Uh, I did my undergrad from uh, Indian Institute of Science, Education and Research, where which, which is like a place that teaches you uh, natural sciences along with a little bit of humanities. Since then, I kind of, uh, yeah, I kind of like volunteered more at like community health centers. Then I did another master's in global health uh, from Duke uh, in the US. Uh, and now I'm doing a PhD in epidemiology uh, at Columbia. That's more so my educational background, I guess. But apart from that, I am co-founder of a non-profit think and do tank based in Pune, India. It's called Association for Socially Applicable Research or ASAR, which stands for impact in Hindi. Yeah, within ASAR, we do a lot of health systems research, focusing on healthcare access, disparities, and those kinds of things. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience or understanding, you know, with the exams, since I'm guessing you didn't take it. So yeah. can you just tell me, yeah, a little bit about sure. where you're coming from? Yeah, so yeah, I, I did not take NEET, uh, although for like two years, I was in, in, in like a coaching class, uh, which which like, yeah, prepped me for NEET. But the test I gave, it's called KVPY, Kishore Vigyanik Protsahan Yojana. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, so like while I was prepping for that, I still needed someone to like, I guess, yeah, like guide me and like teach me like the basic things that are that, that were in the curriculum. So I joined like a coaching class, which is again, uh, yeah, I mean, the reason I also initially mentioned uh, like the local culture is because a lot of what you do as a student and especially as a young student is like contingent upon like the local culture, right? So maybe if I were in like Delhi, or like in Mumbai, uh, I would not have joined coaching classes for need, since I knew that this is not the exam. Uh, yeah, yeah, that I don't want to give. Uh, but yeah, like the culture of Nagpur, well, at least in 20, yeah, 12, 2013, was so focused on like IIT and like need that I didn't have another option, right? So, uh, yeah. So for two years, I kind of like prepped for. Neat gave all the mock tests, all the test series, solved like AI PMT and like state PMT papers. Uh, yeah, so kind of like did all of that just to give like an entirely different exam. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I basically did like all the neat relevant physics, chemistry, biology. So, Sonika, did you notice uh, what these two, I mean, one of them is a student. Uh -huh. Maybe a student now, and other and the other person is pursuing research, mm -hmm. which is related to medicine. Mm -hmm. Now that's very interesting how they approached uh, this entrance examination, mm -hmm. right? So in the case of Disha, 
she had no inkling she did not join the race to join uh, to join a coaching institute much early like most of the students nowadays does yeah but i mean by but by law standard again fomo caught up right yeah and she forced herself to join and then uh, she she then uh, she was able to get a good mark and she is able to join mbbs right now siddesh on the other hand never planned to become a doctor right right but it was in the vicinity and then he was in a place where everybody uh, in his age group were taking that exam so he did not want to be left out mm-hmm. so this again and again from cutting across different doctors from different backgrounds different cities this is something we see in this podcast often that they are all saying that look everybody was taking it and yeah. i was also a part of it and because i wanted to be part of it i went for coaching yeah. and because and then i went for coaching there was i had to spend some money now this this attitude in a way changes how they perceive medical education to yeah. in general yeah. right absolutely and i mean this whole idea that you have to go through this very specific rigid process where you start preparing from you know 8th standard go through these coaching coaching classes do you know x y and z all of that like um sudesh and disha point out it's just a way to bring out the inequalities in medical education so the way i see it uh, there are two kinds of you know medical education um in the country one is the heavily subsidized uh, government sponsored education and the other one is uh, the private education now uh, what happens is uh, the subsidized government education uh, it's everybody wants it right everybody's preparing for it and people want to score really well so they can have access to that education so you know uh, people uh, i would say the kind of people who find it easier to get access to that government education because it has extremely high cutoffs uh, compared to uh, private institutions is people who have access to coaching because coaching really helps you you know just get in there and you know learn how to solve questions and get all of them right things like that so people who have the means and the access to coaching are definitely at an advantage right and coaching also requires time it requires capital so students have to have that you know have to be able to invest that um into coaching of course coaching is not the only way but by and large the majority um require coaching to you know get those really high marks so ultimately people who get into uh, you know high cut off government colleges tend to be people who you, who you know could invest that much time and uh, capital into the preparation phase on the other hand the private education again it is significantly more expensive than government education um and again people who have access to it you know barring say scholarships or any external funding are people who can afford um mm. that sort of an expenditure so on both aspects uh, i i do not feel that neat has really leveled the playing field because somebody who is just you know studying uh, the regular school subjects you know and just into the schooling system and has not really been exposed to coaching is probably at a disadvantage in this mm-hmm. system even though it was not intended to be this way 
but it has turned out to be like that yeah let me put it this way so i think like there were always like inequities in like medical education in india uh with regards to like caste which is like the most important inequity uh with regards to whether you come from a rural or like an urban background uh and then also yeah with regards to i think your yeah like sex or like gender so just looking at these three and maybe like more importantly at cast i think what neat and even like other exams like neat uh, oh uh, also like the the socio economic like the economic like uh, quintile or like status definitely uh, but yeah so i think what tests like neat have done is that they haven't like really removed or reduced those inequities they have just changed the for in which in which we now look at an inequitable system so for instance uh before need or even like before like state level like uh like the pre medical tests like pmts uh when people used to go through like the 12th or like 11th board exams into medical colleges uh i think there was like the yeah like kind of like the inequitable distribution that you saw was due to the idea that cert like people from certain socio economic background can get into good schools and only students of good schools can get into medical colleges and so for instance like the mechanisms that that would support that were kind of like these students getting like better scores in like uh in like vivas in like 11th and 12th standards compared to like students from like uh yeah not so good schools uh these students getting more exposure around how to yeah how to kind of like give the test and like hack into the test so for instance uh something as simple as the notion that if you take up sanskrit in 12th instead of like like a language like uh, marathi or hindi you have a greater chance of like scoring right uh mm. now that exposure is available to like students who are who have schools with sanskrit teaching teachers and that's not going to happen in like rural places right so i think so like a like the mechanisms and like the composition of inequity was like different and it's just a bit different now but yeah neat has done everything that it could have done to like support all the inequities like i have i have yeah like i have absolutely no doubt about that because if you look at the composition of like kids who end up in medical colleges yeah that is still predominantly higher caste rich urban kids uh and if not higher caste then like followed by yeah like obc kids so you still it's extremely difficult to get into and survive in a medical college if you are coming from an actual middle class like a uh, dalit or sc st background and like a rural household like you absolutely have no way of getting into the system uh, unless yeah unless you are yeah like gifted iq wise so yeah i mean um everyone that we s- ended up speaking to all i mean they've said it themselves as well they all do come from fairly privileged backgrounds and they've all also been able to notice that there is a certain type of people who 
even have the option to go through all of this preparation to become a doctor. So it just really leaves us with that question of what about all of those students? And there's so many students yeah. in this country who, you know, could be the brightest minds, but just don't have the access to the resources needed in this hyper-competitive medical education environment. Absolutely. That's it for episode one of Vital Signs. We took a look at how the old system the old medical education system functions and the kinds of changes that we have seen over the years and you know some of the changes that the stakeholders in the medical game would like to see in the second episode it's more about how the present system mm-hmm. uh, is going to impact or already impacting rural healthcare mm-hmm. i mean see even before need kicked in mm-hmm. We had a huge uh, gap in terms of rural healthcare. Right now, doctors were not incentivized. Right, even if doctors are incentivized, many did not go. Right, so we asked all these doctors who we spoke to in the first podcast and some more mm-hmm. about what what to do. What to do? Yeah. What to yeah. do. Um, and if you want to make sure that you do not miss the second episode, you can go ahead and subscribe. We are available on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And of course, you can follow all of the Hindu's coverage at thehindu.com. And if you want specifically data stories, you can find all of that at thehindu.com slash data. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Sonika. Thanks, Viknesh. And we will see you guys in the next episode. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.